This year we're going to be looking a lot at the Gospel of Mark and that way of telling the story of Jesus. And like last week, we are still in chapter 1 of Mark's Gospel. And last week, as we were looking at the call story of how Jesus invites two sets of brothers, Andrew and Simon and James and John, to become disciples, we were introduced to Mark's favorite word, which is immediately. They immediately left their nets in the boat to follow Jesus. And this sense of immediacy, that, that things happen in an urgent way, is part of how the Gospel of Mark tells the story of Jesus' life. So following the call story, where Jesus, by just saying, follow me, causes an immediate response prior to which we actually had the story of Jesus being tempted in the desert, where with Jesus, just his word causes Satan to depart immediately from him. We have the story of how Jesus comes to the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he's teaching using God's word that has been placed on him. He's teaching about the kingdom of God in the synagogue, and he meets this man who it says a man of an unclean spirit or a demon someone who's been possessed by an unclean spirit which is the opposite of the holy spirit it's evil it's demonic and this man with the unclean spirit says what have you to do with us jesus of nazareth have you come to destroy us and then most tellingly, he says, I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. This man who's been possessed by an evil spirit understands who Jesus is. Yes, Jesus of Nazareth, but he is the Holy One of God. And as such, the Holy One of God has power over all the forces of evil and darkness. Have you come to destroy us and certainly jesus casts out the demon with just his word saying come out of him and with convulsions and a loud cry the demon is exorcised from this man and he's made well by just using his word the word of jesus is powerful The word of Jesus causes immediate response from the disciples to become followers and from an evil spirit to obey and actually be destroyed. The word of Jesus, the word of God, has power in the world to make things right, to call people into relationship, and to defy all the forces of darkness and evil that exists in the world. Now, we may find stories of demon possession and and all of these things to be kind of wild and crazy, and we think of movie scenes, but the truth is that there's a lot of evil in the world, whether that's within individuals or in systems or in all kinds of ways, we can see that there are things that defy God. And in this very story, at the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, we see that there's actually no question from the evil spirit that Jesus has the power to destroy it. There's no 
resistance. There's not even a fight. It's a complete capitulation. And we see that the evil that exists in this world, that God will set things right, and the victory is already determined. This knowledge that the demon-possessed man has about Jesus is pretty remarkable, because if you were to trace through the gospel of Mark, and it's not just in Mark, most of the people don't have a clue who Jesus is. Is he the prophet? Is he the second coming of Elijah? Is he the Messiah? Maybe, maybe not. They're not sure. This man who's possessed knows exactly who Jesus is and exactly what God is up to. That's pretty remarkable. But that knowledge, as we heard from Paul, knowledge puffs up and love builds up. I was thinking about about that and how it relates to this healing story. Uh, and how knowledge, when we, when we think we know something, and we, we think, oh, aren't I so smart that I, that I know the answer to this, or I have this uh, knowledge on this subject, and, and that we kind of get a little, as we were talking about with our children, a little uh, sense of an ego or a, a big head, as they say. Knowledge builds up. And in the context of 1 Corinthians, it was about eating meat that had been sacrificed to idols. And what Paul is saying to the Corinthian community is that there are people who are new in the faith that in becoming followers of Jesus gave up pagan worship where they might sacrifice meat to idols. They, they set that aside and said, no, that's not what God would want. Where those who are maybe more mature in their faith could say, well, it wasn't real anyway because God is one and all of that stuff never was real. But if you're new to the faith, and you've decided to walk with God, and you see elders or, or deacons of the faith community eating the meat that's been sacrificed, that might cause you to stumble and fall on your faith. That's what the, the issue was there. So those who have the knowledge, it's better for you to build up those who are in their infancy of their faith by not creating that situation where they're confused. It's better to refrain from eating meat than it is to, to know that you're right. So I was thinking about this. Knowledge puffs up. Love builds up. And this is a bit of a leap here, so bear with me. When Kelly and I were first married, uh, she was a sixth-grade teacher. And she was on a teaching team with uh, two other teachers, and they... they would shift back and forth on different subjects. So Kelly's main subject was reading and social studies. And the others were, I think, math and science. So she didn't have to teach math and science, and they didn't have to teach reading and social studies. But the bad news for her was that at the end of the term, they often had to grade papers, right? So it was like an essay on a certain subject. And I remember one particular weekend, and it was they all had to be done by Sunday night. And so being the kind loving husband that I am. I said, well, I can help grade papers. And she said, really? You want to read like 95 social studies papers on whatever it was? I said, sure. I kind of liked that. She gave me the red pen and the rubrics of what I was supposed to look for. And so I was about halfway through and I was, you know, writing on them, giving little notes. 
Um, and then uh, she kind of checked my work and was aghast because I wrote things like redundant and run-on sentence. And she said, they're sixth graders. I said, yeah, but it's redundant. It's clearly redundant. And she says, you, okay, you are permanently forbidden from grading my papers ever again, as I was too harsh. And it's not that they weren't redundant. They were. <laughs> but that wasn't going to build up her students to grow. It was just going to maybe make them feel terrible, right? So sometimes the most loving thing we can do is build people up from where they are rather than you know, trying to impress other people with their knowledge. Now, I wasn't trying to tear these students down, although, truth be told, I did relish a little bit uh, my comments. So, you know, we find our way in life, right? But the knowledge uh, that when Jesus was speaking, just to get back to him, knowledge puffs up, love builds up. When Jesus is in the synagogue... So he has this healing, so let's set, set that aside. Now, that's amazing. But what the crowd said after Jesus expresses the knowledge that he's been given by God, he's teaching God's kingdom, he's, he's sharing, and it says he teaches with authority. In other words, he's speaking in a declarative way about God. And the crowds are astonished. They've never heard anything like it before. Now, Jesus, uh, if he was a mere mortal like you and I, might love the idea that the crowd is so astonished, so impressed, so moved, and he might get puffed up a little bit. But the thing about, about this story is that it happens in the synagogue on the Sabbath. They're there for Sabbath, and one of the rules, one of the commandments is you cannot work on the Sabbath. And Jesus, as part of what he does, is heal people, and he does so on the Sabbath. So knowledge would say you cannot heal, but love would look upon this man who's been afflicted with this unclean spirit and have compassion. This man who is suffering in mind, body, and spirit, who's not in his right mind, and who knows how long this affliction has happened. So Jesus, because of love and compassion, and grace and mercy knowingly breaks the commandments in the face of religious leaders, which then becomes the backdrop of all the tension that exists between Jesus and the leaders of his day. He teaches with authority, he teaches of the kingdom of God, but he demonstrates love, that love builds up. Love is more important than anything else, how we treat others. And that love that Jesus has for this man compels him to heal on the Sabbath. The love that Jesus has for you is more important than anything else. To know that you are loved, that God will meet you right where you are. Damaged, broken, possessed, whatever the case might be, God's love comes to us, heals us, and sets things right. And all the powers of darkness and evil that are existing in the world that we struggle with, 
trying to understand, trying to work through, all of that has been defeated and conquered just by Jesus' mighty and powerful word. And that same word says you are a loved child of God. May you know that promise, may you receive it, and live your life loving and building each other up. Amen.